This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have a very, very interesting show. We're going to be covering some subjects that we are frequently dealing with here at A Better World, such as healing and how do we make the world a better place? How do we get responsive to the deep social, global, economic needs of people? They are widespread, and we are troubled. Well, today we have a very wonderful guest, one of my favorite people, Dr. Patrick San Francisco, who is the founder of the Light Movement and is a co-founder of the Sarmapan Foundation, which in both of these foundations is doing some rather extraordinary work in light of these personal healing issues as well as the larger global social economic issues and actually even as simple as building houses in innovative ways in places that are either war-torn or earthquake-torn. And we'll be learning a little bit about that in just moments. So, uh, Patrick, I want to welcome you to A Better World. Thank you, Mitchell. Good morning to everybody. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I hope I didn't wake you up. No. (laughs) Uh, No, Mitchell. I usually wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, fine. Well, then I'm calling late. Uh, I'd like then to uh, first start with uh, your being a doctor, you're a physician from India, and you've been doing a tremendous amount of work in healing, uh, not certainly only orthodox allopathic medicine, but through another means of a light and color therapy that you exposed me to, oh, I don't know, about a year ago. Could you speak a little bit about that and then how that segues and dovetails into the work of the Samarpan Foundation? Well, actually, Michelle, uh, we use healing in a very light term, but uh, healing is a very broad-based uh, aspect. For example, you know, we talk of healing as being curing ills and aches and pains, but healing also is giving a slice of bread to a hungry man. Yeah. Empowering the youth is, is, a, is kind of healing in its own way. Very true. So that's why we have these two organizations, one to do the healing, which is uh, which reflects medical ailments and the other one to do the social healing. Yes. So, And even personal healing, as you and I both know, Patrick, um, <clears throat> social healing, I, I mean, personal illness is often related also to a social environment and to economic woes, I mean, in the causation of stress or a social interpretation of what's illness and what's what's health. Yes. You know, the the anthropology of medicine, so to speak. Yeah, please go on. I'm so interested. So so what we do is we just actually reawaken in people what they already have within them. For example, when you you hurt your hand, what do you do? You take your good hand and rub that area that's paining. You're transferring energy from the good hand to the place that is hurting. So it is a form of natural healing we do for ourselves. When you cut your finger, you put it in your mouth and suck on it taught you but your saliva contains antiseptic so we're doing this to ourselves all the time so what i just do is reawaken what people inherently have within them already yes and in interesting there is this instinct to suck your finger when it's bleeding or when it hurts or to rub it and then of course we know that that's also 
uh, stimulating when you rub a part of your body, the lymph, lymph nodes. And that has a lot to do with healing as well. So before you know it, we have these biologically innate methods for healing. And I hear you saying you help instruct people about those and help wake up those, those inherent healing um, abilities. Yeah, I conduct uh, workshops frequently to where I teach people uh, uh, to experience healing energies in a very tangible way and then to go out and use it on other people and on themselves too. Mm, beautiful. Now, you go from city to city, as I recall, in India, for instance, and teach you know, really hundreds, if not thousands of people, some of your techniques. Could you just share with our audience a little bit about that, that process? Well, what I do is uh, heal them first. So when they experience the healing, then they want to know more about it because they find it so mad, almost um, quasi-magical. Like without touching them or giving them any kind of medicine or medication, they get relief, their illness goes away. They come back and ask for, you know, to learn how to do this. Yes. So depending on, on their time availability, I, I have conduct workshops but I teach them how to do it for themselves and their families and friends. And so slowly the movement spreads to other people and goes beyond the, you know, like a ripple effect goes beyond. And when you teach them, you you have a particular, uh, the light movement is teaching something about the use of color and the use of light in particular. Could you just, what is that? Well, actually there are bands of energy all over in the universe Sure. Each band of energy has a particular task to perform. For example, there is one band of energy that binds the leaf to the tree. The moment that leaf that that energy fades, the leaf would drop away. So by using the same energy, we can it's like a glue. We can fix broken bones, torn muscles, damaged ligaments. Mm. So by seeing whatever each energy is doing in nature, we harness that energy and use it to fix like a toolbox to fix the human body. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and so depending on what spectrum of light you are engaging, it will have different kinds of um, therapeutic functions? Yes, that's correct. Mm, beautiful. Give an example, if you would, to our audience about a healing that perhaps took place recently that you're particularly pleased about that put a real big smile on your face. <clears throat> when I, It was in New York when uh, Hurricane Sandy struck. There was a gentleman who was in coma and declared to be brain dead because he had a fall down the stairs and the power's power went off. Hmm. And the doctors had given up on him and were deciding to uh, so-called pull the plug. They said that he doesn't look like he's going to recover. He's been brain dead for several days. So the family called me and uh, I got him out of coma. And uh, to convince the doctors that I'm going to get him out of coma, I had his wife video the healing. And I, I'd completely forgotten that there was this, I had requested the, the video to be done. Mm -hmm. And just, in fact, in a co coincidentally, she just called me a few months, uh, months ago and told me, you know, I just found this amazing video where you got my husband out of coma. Mm. And uh, she sent it to me and it was, it was really brought a, brought a smile to my face because oh my. a man who was declared brain dead opens his eyes within about, you know, 20 minutes coming oh out of healing. God. And where were you? I'm getting the impression, Patrick, that you did this remotely, that you weren't in New York during Sandy. Certainly, I no, didn't no. see you. 
No, no, <laughs> no. I had come down, come down to do a healing workshop in the in New, uh, New York at the time. Oh, so I was in the hospital. Right. Oh, yeah, I see. Okay. All right. Listen, you know, uh, miracles happen all the time. So <laughs> whether you're there or in Bombay, I have a feeling you could have pulled it off anyway. So in short, you engaged a certain uh, spectrum of light at that moment, yes. and yes. with that engagement you were able to rouse him from a coma. Yes. That's beautiful. What what a story. What a story. Now, do you feel that you can uh, teach that something that someone can learn how to do to access that that toolbox and implement? Absolutely. 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 Yes. Anyone can learn it. It's, it's not like you'd be a special person or do special things or be a holy person. It's for everybody equally. Nobody is big, nobody is small. Everybody is entitled to use this toolbox. Interesting, interesting. Well, that's beautiful. You know, I speak with people about human potential so often, and when I it's said that we are using five, maybe a little bit more of our human potential, of our brain and nervous system, I say, well, what do you think that other 95% is? Do you think that that's just the memorization of more facts and being a acquainted with a few more concepts? I don't think so, but rather it's to initiate and to bring forward these other inherent capabilities that we have that we refer to as healing, as like such as hands-on healing or telepathy or listening with our hands as well as with our ears on and on, you know, these other parapsychological types of skill sets that I feel are utterly available but slightly dormant. Well, actually, when you say that we have used about 5%, it's extremely uh, sad to see that, you know, we put limits to ourselves all the time. Yes. We're we're always saying, I'm, I'm going to make a goal or a target. But I, I keep telling people, why do you need a goal or a target? That is it's in itself limiting. That means I will only do this much by this time or period in my life. Mm. But if you leave it open-ended, then you leave yourself open to the untapped potential of yourself. Aha. Uh-huh. I like that. I like that. Why limit it when the universe is limitless? Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. We are speaking with Dr. Patrick San Francisco from India, from Bombay, correct? From Goa. Goa, yes. And uh, thank you. Who is the founder of the Light Movement, which we've been speaking about just now. And now we're going to segue into another very large part of his life's work, which he is engaging with his beautiful, lovely wife, who uh, they play different roles in this foundation. And would you just tell us a little bit about this foundation and the work that you're doing now? Well, actually, it started out just to do what needs to be done. So we, when we started the foundation, we said we'll have no fixed agenda. We find that needs to be done. We just do it and uh, not to make a big deal about it. It's just So that's how it started out with a school and an orphanage. And now we have uh, programs throughout the country, and we're also branching out into Africa, Zimbabwe, all these places. So it's moving mm. on and on slowly. It's gaining momentum. But generally, you've it's, been working in India and more recently in Nepal since the earthquake? Yes, we also we have uh, 
come up, come across a small innovation which we have done on ourselves which uh, makes bottles makes houses out of waste bottles oh, plastic bottles tell us about that i so we were recently folks at the united nations during which time patrick was part of a conference i was attending and uh, also a large discussion among us all where he talked to us about this brilliant invention so simple and so intelligent at the same time uh about uh, fashioning houses out of plastic bottles from water and how earth resistant they are earthquake i'm sorry not earth earthquake resistant they are how did you what is it tell us a little bit about the mechanics and the science of this well it's actually a little bit like how when the apple fell and newton discovered gravity in a smaller way, the, the, the bottle Plastic fell on my foot. The bottle fell on your head, is that it? It fell on my foot, not my head, thank oh, God for okay. that. And uh, I, I thought it was very much like a stone or a brick. And then I realized if I just fill it with earth and dirt and put the cap back on, I do have a brick. So then came the next thing of how to bind them together because they don't uh, bind so well with normal cement concrete. Mm-hmm. So I used the nylon fishnet to bind them together. And uh, presto, there was this house that, when we tested it in the, in the laboratory, turned out to be earthquake resist, pointed on the Richter scale. So we went ahead now in Nepal, where they have just had these devastating earthquakes, and we're building these earthquake-resistant houses, clinics, outreach clinics. And yes, so now it has caught on like wildfire. Everybody wants an earthquake-resistant house. <laughs> Made of plastic bottles. <laughs> That is awesome. That is awesome. So when you bind the plastic bottles together and the bottles are filled with just the indigenous earth of the area, that acts when they are strung together with the uh, nylon fishnets as enough uh, both, I guess, strength and resilience at the same time to withstand a 9.8 Richter scale earthquake. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, yes, and also extremely cost-effective because the the plastic bottle is actually a waste. It's a waste product. Exactly. And the nylon fishnet is very, very inexpensive. So it makes for a very inexpensive, uh, versatile kind of a construction, which you can uh, make even a luxury villa for. We built a hospital out of these bottles and fishnet in India and the Sundarbans. You have? Yes. What, what do you cover? What is the outer uh, layering of the structure? Normal cement plaster. Okay. Okay. So that way it has a little bit of an architectural and aesthetic feel to it because looking at plastic bottles isn't so pretty, even on a <laughs> dinner table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what we decided is because the psychological impact of, of having a house made out of the bottles and people have this idea that if it's made out of, you know, if it's a, a waste management project, it's gonna it's gonna look tacky and uh, you know off off center and whatever. Yes. So we built it. Yes, looking very pretty and finished with cement plastering and painted and, <laughs> and it does look very nice. <laughs> and now people are clamoring for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's so interesting, Patrick, because uh, I mean, I I've been to India several times, and of course, one of the major issues is getting rid of plastic bottles which accrue literally by the millions every single day across the continent. And uh, 
I did a uh, an interview with the director of a film called Bagot, which is all about plastics in our environment and the way they are choking our fish, even large fish. I mean, even among dolphins, it gets up to that level of how serious this issue is, that you have found a constructive use of these plastic bottles, which are just, um, they're invading, if you will, our, our oceans and our land landfill. It's just extraordinary. Are you getting any support from the government, or is this all privately funded? Well, it's all privately funded. The government hasn't it, uh, uh, taken uh, any steps to, you know, making it a government program. But we are we are hopeful. We are hopeful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. What are some of the other uh, projects that you have initiated through the foundation? Well, we've we started schools uh, for the for slum children, free schools, which where we focus mainly more on caring, sharing more than on ABC and one, two, three. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the idea is to produce good human beings. Yes. In all web, in all rounder. But there are also the ABCs and one two threes too. Of course, yes, that that's very much part of the curriculum. But if the focus is more on love, sharing, caring, stuff like that. That's so beautiful. That's so. Just beautiful. to give you a quick example of how it works, when uh, last year for the Indian Independence Day, I asked the kids what should we do on Independence Day. So the answer came back: fly the national flag and sing the national anthem. So what the children, uh, I said, I told the children, what about the, the other neighboring countries? They'll feel so sad we're not singing their song. So the kids said, okay, we'll sing their song too. But I said, there are 249 countries. So what are you going to do about that? <laughs> so I said, you design a flag. And one nine-year-old girl designed a flag where there's an angel holding a globe in her hands oh. with all the flags of the nation. and But the angel is crying. Oh. And next to her, there's an angel holding a globe in her hands with no flags, and that angel is smiling. This from a nine-year-old girl. Oh, my word. Talk about heartfelt, heart-based creativity. That is awesome. So they didn't have to learn 249 different national anthems. <laughs> <laughs> They just wanted to embrace one smiling angel. <laughs> a yeah. lot easier. A lot easier. Yeah. Of course, you you uh, touch upon a very very important point, which is um, the building essentially of of goodwill and cooperation and friendship among people, and uh, the um, character development, if you will, of of children something that is so sorely neglected in our society. And uh, I love that you would, and you. it is not uh, surprising that that would be the focus of a school that you would help to design. So isn't this what's missing? I mean, the Pope is in the United States addressing Congress today. As you and I both know, we have friends who are there. And um, the message is loud and clear. Friendship and cooperation among people um, in nations, in nation building, and among companies and businesses, helping the most underprivileged people of our planet. 
Is that not the primary primary point? Yes, yes, that is, that should be the, the focus actually, and especially on the children because they are the the future generation of leaders. Exactly. So if we uh, inculcate this in the te- in the children, then the next generation shall be peaceful. I'm afraid that we are out of time for this last-minute interview, but I am so glad that you were available before you hopped on a plane back to uh, India and Goa and uh, joined us here at A Better World, Patrick. When you come back, let's make a point of doing a more extended interview and getting down in more into the guts of the matter and uh, spread the good cheer. Okay? Why don't you give your website to everybody? Well, it is... Samarpan, S-A-M-A-R-P-A-N, foundation.org. That is the website for the foundation. Beautiful. You're most welcome to access it and see what what work we're doing, volunteer, or find any way you can support us. Thank you. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today, and I will talk to you soon, and we'll have you on again when you're back in the States. Thank you. And say hi to your lovely wife for me, too. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye now. That was Dr. Patrick San Francisco, founder of the Light Movement and Samarpan Foundation, with his wife and several others who are working assiduously and diligently at uh, making the world a better place. Just the kind of candidate we so, so appreciate as guests here on A Better World. So thank you all for joining. Make sure you visit our website at www.abetterworld.tv. That's A Better World. Join our free newsletter that's on the home page right there. And we, too, have a number of really interesting uh, offerings. So please scan the website. You can also go to MitchellRabin.com and uh, be in touch with us. We love your comments and feedback, suggestions. So I'll be looking forward to hearing from you at either mjr at abetterworld.net or 212-420-0800. I look forward to seeing you all 